Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Uh, as always, I'm excited to be given uh, the opportunity to speak to you uh, this morning. And as I, um, <clears throat> even as I reflect on like the pulpit and preaching, uh, you know, I'm reminded that you know this is uh, not just a presentation of information, but it's a it's a conversation uh, that we get to have. Um, that as we we try and we struggle to live out God's truth, His Scripture, uh, we get to converse and share this journey with each other. Um, so I just want to share uh, even my journey with you, and I hope that uh, God blesses uh, our heart and uh, gives us a fresh perspective of who he is this morning. Cool? Um, well, today is Father's Day, and uh, I tried very hard not to talk about fathers. <laughs> uh, some weeks ago, Pastor Janice uh, gave a word. Uh, it was a really good message, right? It was about um, <clears throat> whether you're a son or a slave. Anybody was here for that? Remember that? Uh, I don't know how that was for you, but uh, as I was sitting there, I remember uh, I was sitting there, and, and as the sermon went on, uh, and you know, moved the response, I just felt this like anger inside of me, right? As I was listening uh, to you know her talk about oh, this is what sons like, this is what slaves like, as uh, Ivan shared his testimony, I just felt this like this kind of anger just kind of like well up within me, and I was like, what is happening, right? Um, and I was. And I was so angry because I thought that I was done with this thing, right? I thought that, you know, I, I've been through uh, restoring the foundation, inner healing. Uh, you know, I, I'm not new to the revelation of the Father's heart. Uh, but as I sat there, I was just thinking, why can't I get this? Why, when, when she talks about, you know, what, what a son is like, why can't I get this? Why do I still feel this sense of emptiness, this sense of lack when I think of God as Father? Uh, and I remember after that, you know, a couple of people came uh, and, they, and they prayed for me. Uh, and they were you know, really uh, meaningful prayers. Uh, in particular, I remember that Sien and Phoebe like, prayed for me, uh, and they prayed some very prophetic and very needed words um, that, that really uh, uh, really blessed my heart. Uh, I remember Sien wanted to give me like, you know, the Father's embrace, so I stood up, and then uh, he hugged me. Uh, and as he did, you know, I went, huh, so this is what men are supposed to feel like. <laughs> I think that uh, that this stuck out to me because it made me realize that I, I'm still on this journey of knowing God as Father, uh, as I think a, a lot of us are. And today I want to share that, that, that journey with you. Um, so I, I think when we think of walking with God as our Father, you know, uh, for some of us it carries different kind of baggage, um, different experiences for us. For, for some of us it can be kind of confusing. Um, and and with, with following Jesus, you know, it's, you know it's, it's the way of the cross to embrace His sacrifice, His death, his resurrection, his humility and lowliness, suffering and self-denial. With the Holy Spirit, we think of the gifts of the Spirit, uh, of moving the prophetic, of his role as comforter, helper in our lives, walking carefully with the dove in mind, practicing his presence. But when we think of the Father and uh, in our relationship of walking as a son or a daughter, uh, suddenly it can get a little bit more uncomfortable. It's the kind of uncharted territories. Uh, I think one of the struggles that I suspect many of us have is relating to God as Father particularly in walking with Him, understanding His will for our lives, amidst the different like, desires that we have for things, uh, being able to trust that He's a good Father uh, with good gifts for us, that He sustains us as we make decisions, and that He wants to bless us. I know that line can feel loaded for, for some of us, that God does want to bless us. Um, 
I remember a conversation that I was having not too long ago with a loved one, and uh, we were talking about like career and financial security and things like that. Uh, and and so he was like, you know, it, it, and we were speaking about it, and he, and he, and he told me like, hey, you know, it sounds like you just like, you know, you put like purpose at the top of your list, and then everything else you like, oh, I don't care, just throw it to the wind, kind of a thing. Fair. Uh, but I found myself uh, trying to explain this idea to him, right? Uh, he's, not, he's not a believer, but I was, it's, it's, I, was, I was trying to explain this kind of value system to him that like, hey, imagine if life isn't just you know, an endless like, sea of possibility and outcomes. Imagine if you knew the creator of the universe, you had a relationship with him, and that he, because he's your father, you know that if you kept following his voice, he will make things work. He will take care of you. And I knew that big idea in theory, right? I was, I was talking to him about it. But as I reflected on it, I, I started to have some uncertainty. And I was like, how much does God really do that? If we choose to walk with the Father, to follow his purpose uh, and his voice, how much does he really give us what we need? And in addition to that, what we want. Does the Father care about my desires and my experience? Does he really fulfill the desires of my heart as I delight myself in him? Does he really add all things unto me as I seek his kingdom first? So right off the bat, I want to just like throw my head right, and tell you who I'm speaking to this morning. Right? Uh, I'm speaking to you if you're in a season uh, where you're struggling to make a decision to follow the voice of God. You know, it seems like there's difficulty in that path. It seems like there's some resistance. And you're not sure how it's going to play out. You're not sure if God's going to come through, going to provide on His promises. I'm speaking to you if you're in a season where maybe you've, you have made a decision and you know you're like, all right, I'm following God. I'm following where He wants me to be. But it doesn't look right, you know. There's just like, I feel this lack. Uh, I don't feel like he's providing financially, spiritually, emotionally. Uh, you feel alone and you don't know if you have it in you to keep on going. I'm speaking to you if you've experienced frustration, disappointment and anxiety about the future and the life God has for you. I'm speaking to you if you've ever tried to follow the voice of God in this life. Uh, my sermon title today is Walking with the Father. That God is a Father who provides, who cares for our needs and our wants, and knowing that frees us to seek first His kingdom, His purposes, in our decisions, and this side of eternity. Let's pray. Father of glory, we come before You today. God, we present ourselves, God, all that we are before You. Uh, Lord, the, the parts that, that can praise You easily and the parts that can't. Lord, we come before you, Lord, and we say we want to be obedient to you. We want to walk with you, God. Uh, and we want to encounter you in a new way this morning, Lord. That we may do so, God. Lord, I pray, even like what um, Pastor Andre brought up earlier, God, that today you would remove fear from our hearts. That your perfect love would cast out all fear. I pray that you would teach us to trust you. And you would teach us to uh, trust you enough, God, that... All that we, we can say that all that we want in this life, God, is to be with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go to our uh, text for the day. So our text for the day is in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 25 to 34. I was going to read it. Uh, in verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? 
Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now I've got so close the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? But after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen. We're doing good this morning. Okay. Now, when we think of the idea of walking with God, uh, seeking His uh, purpose, and we try to reconcile that with our desires, our needs that we have in this life, um, oftentimes there are two ways that people kind of view this. Uh, one is a prosperity gospel, if you're familiar uh, with the term. Uh, and it's this idea of, you know, like, hey, follow God, He will bless you. Uh, divine wealth and health are kind of an automatic right as a believer. Name it and claim it. Faith is this kind of like self-generated force that directly correlates with prosperity. Uh, prayer is this tool that we use to force God's hand to prosper us. Any doctrine for suffering is shunned away. Uh, in our minds, we think of preachers and sneakers, uh, private jets and the whole works, right? <clears throat> now, we, we shy away from that view of God and His blessing, right? Because we are like, yeah, that's, that, that's obviously like skewed. Uh, but sometimes we even go to another extreme of uh, what can be called a poverty gospel. We believe that God wants us to be sick and poor all the time so that you can glorify Him. That living an undistracted life means to rid ourselves of all possessions, all wants, all desires, all enjoyment. That God desires for us to be in lack all the time. Extreme theologies of uh, asceticism, uh, where, there is, there, where, where there are some you know, extreme practices of like, people eating grass, solitary confinement, voluntary suffering, we take it to that extreme, right? Uh, and I don't want to confuse this with like having a good theology for suffering or self-denial. Uh, there's deep truth in those, and we have to, you know, absolutely with fidelity stay away from the the, the entrapments of uh, worshiping mammon, consumerism, and and all of it. But this is a more extreme view. Uh, this view says that God doesn't truly care for us. He he doesn't provide. He wants us to always be in lack and pain for character formation. He's only interested in using us for His mission. And this view can extend beyond material and money to the desires that we have in our lives. Uh, it's called the orphan spirit, right? We don't expect good gifts from God in our lives. Even when we have a good thing going, we feel guilty about it. We tell ourselves that there's no free lunch here, uh, and that deep down we, we believe that we're alone, we need to make something happen for ourselves. When something good is on the horizon, sometimes we even we preemptively sacrifice it. Right, uh, we deny it because we think God is gonna ask us to Abraham or Isaac, right? And we do that preemptively. <clears throat> but how are we really to view walking with the Father and, and reconciling these things? Yeah, I, I think sometimes we subscribe to uh, either extreme because it's easier. You know, it's easier to only focus on what I want and disregard God's purposes. It's also easier to disregard what I want, and only focus on God's purposes. And we find ourselves in this tension where the easiest way to relieve ourselves of it is just let go of either side. Like that diagram, see the tension? 
Uh, system scientist Peter Sench puts, puts it this way, emotional tension can always be relieved by adjusting the one pole of the creative tension that is completely under our control at all times. What it means to say is that we, we give up on God's purposes and mission because, hey, I've got to take care of number one, right? No one else is going to. Alternatively, we, we resign ourselves to this miserable, unhappy, repressed, burnt-out life because there's a world to save and you know, no one else is going to do it, right? He goes on to say, you know, the feelings that we dislike go away because the tension that was their source is reduced. Escaping emotional tension is easy, right? We just have to give up, and, and, and the only price that we pay is abandoning what we truly want. So we find ourselves unable to reconcile, and we think that the only way is the default to either extreme. But how many of us know that maturity often looks like embracing tension? Holding things in nuance. Holding on to both realities, because there, there are truths about God in both. Uh, living in that tension of faith until God does something, until he breaks through. That's the faith that we are called to have. Or as another learned sage put it, only a Sith deals in absolutes. That's right, Obi-Wan. We go back to our, our scripture this morning, right? That's in Matthew chapter 6. Um, now this passage is a part of one of Jesus' most famous teachings, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, his teaching, which shows us what life is like in the kingdom, how we are to live our lives in service uh, to our gracious God. And while the previous sections address uh, Jesus' uh, position on law, on the ethics, on the intents of the heart which we are to live by, uh, this section which we find ourselves in is where Jesus talks about the practical walking out of things, uh, walking in the kingdom. And a verse, you know, the verse just before this has addressed you know, mammon, consumerism, and his worship. And this section that we, uh, that we read earlier has the title uh, in your Bible that says, Do not worry. Do not be anxious. But we are anxious, aren't we? According to the World Health Organization, uh, the prevalence of anxiety during COVID-19 rose by 25% globally. In Singapore, about 10% of the population suffers from some sort of an anxiety or depressive disorder. In a 2020 study of our youth in Singapore, uh, it was found that 50% felt anxiety towards the future, and 41% felt stressed about finances. Have we gotten used to this sense of anxiety in our lives for the future? I know you may hear this and you go like, yeah, well, you know, prices are high, life is unpredictable, does Jesus call us, really call us to live with that kind of anxiety in our hearts all the time? When we think of rising prices, real world needs, uh, our vision for fulfillment and a good life, does it fill us with hope or does it fill us with anxiety? Friends, now more than ever, I believe that we need the promise of Scripture and the testifying of His Spirit to lead us into truth. Uh, because we worry, right? We worry uh, not just about our needs, whether we will survive, but we worry about the, the life that we will lead, the quality of life that we will earn for our loved ones, uh, the existential worry of whether we live a life of purpose. Uh, we worry about the desire to fulfill expectations placed on us. We worry about our desires. More than just our needs, we worry about our desires. Now, the Bible does warn us of our desires, right? Um, especially our desires when they are disordered. By the world, the flesh, the devil, the lies that we believe. Uh, James 1 verse 15 says, Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Uh, sin, when it is fully grown, 
brings forth death. And that's definitely the case for our desires, you know, when they, uh, which cause us to sin, our desires which, which have been shaped uh, by the narratives that we are exposed to in the world, uh, desires that we don't manage well. But then the Bible also talks about desires in a light that glorifies God. In Psalm 37 verse 4 it says, Delight yourself also in the Lord. He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Uh, in Psalm 145 verse 9 it says, He fulfills the desire of all who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Proverbs 13:12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. All that to say, these verses show us that desire can be a powerful thing for God's glory when it's fulfilled in His timing, in His wisdom. I don't know if you noticed, but the areas of sin that we struggle with uh, often reveal not just our deepest depravity, but also our deepest desire. Desire is important to God. God cares not just about what we need, but what we want, the desires that we have on our hearts. And maybe it's like an Asian mindset or, you know, you didn't grow up with a lot, but when it comes to like needs and wants, you're like, <clears throat> only needs, needs are important. Wants are frivolous. Wants are unnecessary. Uh, they're viewed as wasteful. Sometimes we start to see the desires that God has placed in our hearts as wasteful, frivolous, needlessly extravagant, unrealistic, and unnecessary. But I think today we'll be surprised to know that He doesn't. We go back to that verse in verse 25. Uh, it says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Notice that it says, it doesn't say if you will eat, if you will drink, if you will have clothes to wear. It says what you will eat, what you will drink, and what clothes you will wear. Now that word, uh, what there, you know, obviously it has like a rhetorical meaning like, you know, are you going to be able to have clothes to wear and things like that. But uh, it, the, the word is also a descriptive question, right? Like literally, what type of clothes are you going to wear? What type of food are you going to eat? What type of drink are you going to enjoy? The message version uh, puts it as whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. <laughs> right? How many of us give a, give a lot of our time to care about that, right? And I think what God uh, is validating here isn't consumerism, right? Consumerism is this like obsession with possessions, this love for material. Um, you know you're struggling with consumerism where you find yourself suddenly, you know, hey, it's 2 a.m., you're on this like really obscure forum about the internet reading like reviews about a product from like 2006 or something. But I don't think God is validating this, right? I think he's validating our desires for joy, purpose, fulfillment, all these things, right? You think about like food, right? Think of the myriad of like different foods that we get to enjoy, chicken rice, nasi lemak, all these, all these different, different cuisines all around the world, right? Imagine if food wasn't that. Imagine if it was just like tasteless protein blocks that we just consume so that we can carry on life, <laughs> right? There's, there's a level of joy and enjoyment that God has provided for us in this life, one that we cannot deny. Uh, and God cares about these things. In verse 26, it says, uh, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? It's relational, right? Are you not of more value to him than the birds? Do you know how much your Father values you? 
verse 28 and 30 continues uh, speaking about the things that we wear. So it says, you know, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil uh, nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, uh, and tomorrow is thrown into to the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And I love it here because the Bible is using kind of like extremes here to drive in this point that God cares for you, right? The, the grass of the field which is thrown into the oven, which uh, back in the day refers to how the Hebrews would use like grass, stalks, uh, different forms of, of vines as fuel to be burnt. And he's saying here that, hey, if God would clothe so gloriously and so lovingly the grass whose destiny is just meant to be thrown into the fire as fuel, how much more would he clothe you? More gloriously, then Solomon, richest king, how much more will he clothe you than that? And so uh, verse 31 to 32 says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Uh, do not worry, because your heavenly Father knows and cares about the things that you need, the things that you want. Um, see, unless we know and trust in a heavenly Father who provides, uh, we will always try to take our needs and wants into our own hands. Verse 32, it refers to the Gentiles here, right? Uh, and while probably most of us here are classified as Gentiles um, by lineage, you know, the text can be interpreted to the, to the Jewish audience as the people who are without God, the peop- the, those who are outside of the people of God, right? Those who don't have a relationship with God. In other words, saying, if you didn't have a relationship with God, if you didn't know him as father, if you, if you, if you didn't have that going, this is how you would behave. Uh, you would worry, you would have anxiety, you would try to game things for the long term, you would try to make sure that you cover all your bases, make sure that your needs and desires are all fulfilled by your own hand. Now some of us have experienced maybe seasons of disappointment uh, where God didn't seem like he was there, didn't seem like he was providing. Um, and oftentimes these things make us fall into this kind of cycle of self-sufficiency where we try to father ourselves, right? Um, we fall into this cycle where we experience disappointment, uh, the loss of a job, a broken relationship, a loved one going through a difficult time. Uh, and this disappointment makes us realize that we have a lack. We, have, we experience this lack. We have this vulnerability, right? That God wasn't there in a way that maybe he was supposed to be. Maybe we expected him to. And then we feel this kind of fear and anxiety of suffering that same disappointment again, of going through it again, of being left vulnerable, being left exposed. And so in response, we seek to control all that we can by our effort, by our hard work, to be independent, only to end up disappointed again when life happens, right? When things that are completely out of control, out of our control happen. And our frustration just keeps on going in that cycle, grasping to try and keep things in our control, grasping to protect ourselves. But what if we could depend on God as our Father? What if He broke that cycle and met us in our lack? You know, perhaps some of us here didn't grow up with a, a strong father figure or with a very present one. Um, maybe when you try to picture God caring and providing for you uh, in this way like that verse, tells us to, you know, you just, you can't just, you just can't make that connection. It just kind of trips you up. Uh, maybe you felt like you had to grow up prematurely, uh, that you couldn't be a child, you had to fend for and protect yourself. You felt that like you had to father yourself, 
Maybe your whole life you spend it trying to teach yourself your own values, your own skills, make up for the lack that you did, for what you didn't receive. But do we know that no matter how independent, how mature, how self-sufficient, how strong and how capable we can become, we will always be children to our Father. The relationship doesn't change. Numerous studies show the importance of a father, a father figure in a, in a child's development, right? Uh, we are all children who need a father. In my own life, uh, I, I, I think there have been like seasons where I went through like difficulty and some uh, disappointment and some lack with my own uh, earthly dad. Um, and so I recognize this in my life, right? I recognize that I, I, I try, you know, as hard as I can to be strong, to be dependable, to be like, uh, I react really poorly to pain. So anytime I feel pain or whatever, I'm like, hey, what if nothing? I injured my leg like a month ago and it took me a month to see the doctor, even though I was like limping like crazy. Um, and, and there was this time last year that I was praying, I was having some time with God and God began to work on my heart. He began to reveal to me that like, hey, you know, there are all these areas in your life where you are trying so hard to make things work, where you're trying so hard to prove that you, know, you, are, you are enough, that you are capable. You're trying so hard to prove that, hey, I can make it happen on my own. Don't you know that you need me? Don't you know that you need a father? I made you to need me. I made you to need a father in your life. And so I was like, yeah, you know, I repented. I was like, God, okay, you know what? From, from this moment on, from everything in the future, you know, I want your opinion. I want, I want to walk with you. I want to be in step with you. And like, mm-mm. Then we had this beautiful father-son connection right there, playing catch. No, okay. <laughs> but then he spoke to me something else. And he spoke to me and he said, hey, I want you to go to your dad and I want you to go and ask him this question. I want you to ask him, how do I live life? And then I was like, devil get behind me. <laughs> but I remember I felt a whole bunch of things, man. I was like, what? You know, what? Why would you ask me to do that? You know, what, like, why does he deserve this? Why does he, you know, what, what right does he have at this point in my life, etc.? And all these things, you know, I'm a self-made man and all this kind of stuff, right? Uh, but okay, I dragged my feet and I, <laughs> and I did. So I remember I walked up to my dad and then I like, you know, how you can't look someone in the eye and you're just like, hey, so, uh, hey, you know, just, uh, uh, question for you, uh. you know. <laughs> and my dad was all, you know, hey, okay, hey, ask, uh. <laughs> the, the apple don't far fall from the tree, lah. <clears throat> and, uh, and so, you know, I like, <laughs> I beat around the bush and a bunch of stuff. And I asked, like, hey, you know, um, you know, I'm kind of in my later twenties, and I, like, you know, uh, just trying to figure out, uh, you know, like, hey, how how to live life, uh. Then I immediately, like, you know, you don't need to answer me now. Uh, you know, you can get back to me in a couple of working days. Uh, <laughs> Just, just text me. <laughs> um, and it, it totally caught my dad off guard, right? Uh, but then we had a conversation, la, and we ended up talking. I remember I, I, it was like 2 in the morning when I asked him that. And we talked until like 4. Uh, and, and it wasn't so much the content of what we, we talked about, uh, but I believe that God was healing my heart and, and healing a relationship in that process. It wasn't so much the content of what he was to tell me, but it was that gesture of saying, like, hey, I honor you as, as my dad. Uh, and I keep not, you know, when I, when I went to bed after that, right, I felt this, like, uh, anybody here run 2.4 before? 
know you run, then you like, wow, you push it, right? You're pushing it all the way. And then the moment that you get to stop, that kind of catharsis, right? That kind of like, ah, right? And I felt that in my heart, right? Like this, like, this struggle this, this, that I've had for so long, right? Struggling with this idea of a father, struggling with, with my own sense of worth, of capability, of needing to, to prove and needing to you know, protect myself and settle things on my own. I felt that kind of lift uh, for a moment. Uh, it may humble us to admit it, but we need our father. And he is dependable. Now we move to the last verse uh, of the passage. Uh, In verse 33 it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. See that the condition in this verse is clear, right? It comes hand in hand. Seek first the kingdom, and it will be added. Like in the previous verses on desire, you know, delight yourself uh, in the Lord. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. So the question that we are left with is, you know, now that we know that hey, God does care for us, He cares for our needs, He cares for our desires, uh, and that He will meet us at our point of need, how then do we make decisions, right? What does like, seeking the kingdom of God look like? How do we seek His kingdom without suppressing uh, our desires or venerating them? Uh, in my recent like, reading, I've been quite interested in uh, Ignatian spirituality, <laughs> right? which is this discipline that's based off the writings of uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola, Soldier captain turned priest. That's a pretty impressive resume. Um, and his interpretations uh, of, of these writings, uh, a Jesuit writer named David Fleming, uh, he writes this, right? Uh, All the things in this world are gifts of God, presented to us so that we can know God more easily and make a return of love more readily. We appreciate and use all these gifts of God insofar as they help us develop as loving persons. But if any of these gifts become the center of our lives, they displace God and so hinder our growth towards that goal. Uh, carries on. Uh, we, and so we should not fix our desires on health or sickness, wealth or poverty, success or failure, a long life or a short one. For everything has the potential of calling forth in us a more loving response to our life forever with God. Our only desire and our one choice should be this. I want and I choose what better leads to God's deepening life in me. And that means that when I'm faced with a decision, a a job opportunity, uh, a financial decision, uh, you know, uh, navigating relational dynamics, how I'm to spend maybe a season of my life, um, it means I have to ask myself the question, right, is this deepening God's life within me? Is this preparing me for an eternity with him? And sometimes when that's unclear, we often use this, uh, this age-old adage, right? That, you know, feel the peace. As long as you feel the peace, then can really, right? Uh, but I think that it's a lot more than just this, like, yeah, there's no glaring problem here, so I guess it's okay. Uh, in fact, Ignatius, you know, ex- expected us that we would find discernment uh, in that God would speak to us through our deepest feelings and our deepest longings. Uh, and he called this consolation and desolation. I know, intense words, right? Um, but consolation means you know, when, when some interior movement in the soul is caused, uh, through which the soul comes to be inflamed with love of its creator and Lord. As we reflect on our emotions, on uh, our deep longings and inner thoughts, right, on, on maybe the decision that's before you. Uh, 
consolation you know, is, is movement towards God of our hearts. Right? It's, it's this, it directs our focus outside uh, and beyond ourselves. Uh, it, it lifts our hearts so that we can see the joys and sorrows of people. It bonds us more closely to our human community, uh, refreshes our inner vision, right? the things that we, that we see that, and we know that God has called us to. Maybe prophetic words that you've received in the past, it, it kind of lines up that way, uh, shows us where God is active in our lives uh, and where he is leading us. Right? And the other is desolation, right? Um, as, as we think and as we discern and as we feel, and we feel these feelings of, you know, we, we feel it you know, making us turn uh, increasingly inward, right? Driving us down this spiral of negative emotions, cutting us off from community, pushing us into isolation, uh, turning us to things which are lowly and earthly, and covering, covering up our landmarks, right? Which is the sign of God's journey in our life, right? The things that have that his faithfulness, the times that he has proven himself, the things that he has spoken to us before. Um, and so, what does it look like to seek first the kingdom of God? I think when we come to decisions, uh, we, we can look to God, and, and because we know that God, hey, he provides for our desires, he provides for all that we, we want, all that we need, all that we can ask for, you know, we can with freedom and liberty go, I can choose to move towards God. I can choose to move towards Him and not what moves me away from Him. I can choose what deepens my life in Him. Right? And sometimes that decision isn't going to be easy. Right? Sometimes um, the decision to, to, to draw closer to God, to deepen uh, His life in us, sometimes we know that decision is going to hurt. It's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require cost. Um, it's going to make you face difficult situations. It's going to make you face uncertainty. But we remind ourselves that, hey, God, my Father, cares for me. He knows my needs. He knows my wants. He uh, meets me where I am in his perfect timing. Yet again, sometimes we know a decision moves us away from him. Right? We know in our hearts that it causes us like, like those um, attributes of, of desolation, right? turns us to things that are earthly, cuts us off from community, makes us lose vision of, of uh, the things that God has called us to. But sometimes that decision, you know, it feels easier to choose. It feels more attractive in the present. It feels so much more secure because I can see it and I can control it. Again, we remind ourselves, God the Father cares for me. He holds me in his hand. I'm held by a good father. And yet again, maybe we have already made a decision of moving towards God, of embracing his call on our lives. And we are in that kind of in-between process uh, and we find it discouraging, barren almost. We don't hear his voice. We, we feel just like trapped and, and tired and burnt out. Trust that as we press in, we will see him free us right, from our anxieties. Uh, trust that as we continue to say yes, as we continue to stay in that place, you know, he's rerouting our trust, our confidence back onto him. Leading us to a place of deeper union, deeper dependence upon him. Deepening his life in us. So in closing, uh, and if I can invite the band uh, back on stage. God the Father wants us to press on towards Him, knowing that He cares for the things that we care about. He is a Father who provides, uh, who cares for our needs, cares for our wants. And, and knowing that frees us so that we can make our decisions in light of that. 
make our decisions in light that, hey, God has my back, the Father has my back. I'm free to pursue uh, His kingdom, His purposes, because I know that, hey, I'm covered. He cares for us, He truly does. And I want to just uh, kind of read a story to you, uh, if you can just stand in this place. Now this story is from uh, the great author C.S. Lewis, uh, it's Narnia, uh, and it's from the first book of Narnia, which is The, which is the Magician's Nephew. Um, and the story goes so right, like, like the main character is, is Diggory, this boy, right? Uh, and then he's, and if you don't know the story, he's like transported into this magical world, right? Uh, on this magical adventure. Uh, and, and, and it comes to this point in the story where Aslan, who is this lion who represents a god, uh, is telling him, hey, would you go on this journey for me? Would you do this thing for me? Uh, would, you, would you help me to retrieve this thing? Um, and... And Diggory, the boy, is, he's conflicted, right? Because the entire reason he was like staying around and trying to help was because he thought, hey, maybe I could find something here to help my mum, right? Because his mum uh, was sick at home. His mum has been sick for a number of years. And he was grappling with that. Uh, and it says that he, uh, you know, he finally plucked up the courage, right? Even as the lion was asking him, hey, would you do this for me? Would you, would you do that? He finally plucked up the courage and he, and, he, and he began to look at the lion, right? Um, I think I have the quote on screen right see up till then he had been looking at the lion's great feet and the huge claws on them but now in his despair he looked up at its face and what he saw surprised him as much as anything in his whole life for the tawny face was bent over near his own and great shining tears stood in the lion's eyes they were such big bright tears compared with Diggory's own that for a moment he felt as if the lion must really be sorrier about his mother than he was himself. My son, my son, said Aslan, I know grief is great. See, God truly cares for what we care about. God truly cares for the things that matter to us. And maybe you're in a season today where you are struggling to make a decision to follow God's voice in a direction that looks uncertain, that holds pain, difficulty, you're not really sure how it's going to play out. Um, will God really prove Himself as a Father who provides? Or you're in a season where you have chosen to follow God's voice, right? You have said, God, I trust you and I'm going to make this decision to follow you. I'm going to make this decision to put my life into your hands. And after making your decision, suddenly you're like, man, why did I do that? It's painful, it is tiring, you don't feel that He's there, you don't feel that He's providing for you, uh, you feel alone, you feel like you don't even know if you have it, you have it in you to keep going. Today as we uh, respond to God as this, as this Father who cares so deeply for us and provides for us, uh, I want to I just read uh, Psalm 139 uh, over us. And uh, as I, re I read it, you know, uh, would you even just bring all these things within you to God? Would you present Him uh, to Him? So 
So Psalm 139 says this, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hatched me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. And it closes with this verse. It says, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. As we respond this morning, uh, and maybe you, if you resonate with, with um, one of those two calls, or this this idea of uh, God as the fa- as a father who cares for the things that I'm anxious about, I just want to um, call us to a moment of response as we go back into worship, a moment to come before God and to and to, and, to, and, to, and to make this prayer like the psalmist, right? Search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there is any wicked way in me. God, search my heart for these things that I'm anxious about, for these things that I struggle to give to you, for these fears of the future, these fears that that keep me from following you, these fears that keep me from living uh, in the purposes that you have for me, from moving towards you. God, search my heart, know my anxieties. So Lord, I ask, even in this moment, God, would you... Holy Spirit, would you come and rest upon us? Lord, would you begin to bring uh, these anxieties in our hearts, God, these things that we struggle to let go to you, uh, these uh, even disappointments that we have with you, God, these uh, even moments of uh, lack, God, where we felt that you weren't there. God, I ask that you would begin to bring these, God, uh, to the surface as we, as we meditate upon you. God, as we come before you and as we lock eyes with you, Lord, we want to be able to speak to you, God, about these things. And would you, Lord, meet us in this place? Would you reveal, God, that you are a God who cares? Lord, that your eyes run with tears, God, for the things that we tear about. Lord, that you care, God, for what we care for. You are a Father who cares. 
You're a father who provides for us. You will you won't leave us nor forsake us. Let us begin to bring these things before God. Begin to ask Him, Father, I need to meet with you. I need to know that you are there for me. I can't keep going. I, I can't do this thing, God, without that. We need you, Father.